Man, it's always a blast for me to get to be with y'all. And uh, been up in Kentucky for uh, a few weeks. Uh, we live in Ventura, California, but we're originally from Lexington, Kentucky. And uh, we were in town because we had a new grandkid, number 10, 10 grandkids. So yeah, that's pretty cool. And that's pretty impressive for a 38-year-old guy to have 10 grandkids. Uh, that's, what, that's the way I feel, but man, it was, it was so cool to hold that little dude. And so tiny, I forgot how little they are. And it, it was so fun to hold little Dutton Walker is his name and uh, number, number 10 for us. And uh, thanks for braving the elements today. Uh, I, I know it was really bad that three inches of snow we got. Uh, but yeah, it was th thanks for coming out this weekend. So, so grateful for you all and grateful for those of you that are joining us online as well. So, so cool. We get to do this together. Uh, my name is Mike, in case we never met before, and uh, honored to uh, get to show up here from time to time and, and get to teach. Have y'all ever, ever thought about how often we use the number one in phrases? You haven't? Well, I have. Uh, I thought about it this week. For instance, right now, the Georgia Bulldog fans are chanting, we're number one after defeating the Alabama Crimson Tide for the uh, College Football National Championship. Uh, there are lots of songs that remind us that you're still the one. You're the one that I want. You're one in a million, and one is the loneliest number. And some of those are one-hit wonders. You, you can get a hold of one. It's one for all and one for all, all for one. You can, it can go in one ear and out the other. You can be just one of the boys. You can have a one night stand. You can be the one that got away. You, can, you have to look out for number one because you are one of a kind. You're not just some one trick pony. We say we're gonna make changes and one of these days it's gonna happen. So we try before long, but we're right back to square one. Probably thousands of phrases that we use with the number one. And here's what the Bible says about one. One matters. And over the next few weeks and hopefully the rest of our life, we're going to center around the theme of the value of one. In Luke chapter 15, Jesus told a, bunch of, uh, told a series of stories in which he tries to explain just how much one matters to God. He talks about how it matters so much that a woman would turn her house upside down just looking for one lost coin. One matters so much that a shepherd would leave, a, that had a hundred sheep, would leave the 99 in the wilderness and go after the one that was lost. It matters so much that a dad would stand by a gate just longing for his rebellious son to come home. And when he does, he throws a pull out all the stops kind of party. Why? Because one matters. You matter. Listen, gang, no matter how lost you feel, how guilty, how worthless, how useless, useless, how frustrated you might feel, you are the one he pursues. You are the one he longs for. You are the one that stirs his heart. You are the one that he loves. I may have told you this story before, but I, not, like I said, I live in Ventura, California. Ventura is an interesting place. It's kind of a throwback town. It's just full of thrift stores and surfer dudes and agriculture and pickup trucks. And it, used, it still is uh, the unofficial headquarters of Hell's Angels, uh, that gang. And we get to baptize one of those former gang members a while back. And it was cool to, uh, to hear him talk about, he's standing there in the water and he had a tank top on. He's all ripped buff dude. And he's got a tattoo on his shoulder uh, of the Hell's Angels one percenters. And they, they put a 1% tattoo, a lot of them do, to say we're the 1% that don't care about anything. We don't care about anybody. We don't care about any laws. We are the one percenters. He stood there in the water and he said, 
Man, after coming here to church and hearing those stories and that song we sing about how he, he left the 99 and came after the one, man, this means something totally different to me now. He feels I'm, I'm like a one percent. I'm a true one percenter. He cared about me, the one. And not only does he pursue us like we're the only one, Jesus' desire for you and me is for us to become like that woman, to become like that shepherd, to become like that dad. He wants us now to value and search for and want every single one to experience the love of the Father like we have. And so we go and we search and we give and we connect and we befriend and we love and we care and we serve because one matters. And I'm thinking maybe, just maybe, as we all individually grasp God's passion for the one, and then we collectively bring our passions and our unique giftedness, and we start to serve together, we just might become this unstoppable force of goodness and light in this world. Anybody into Marvel movies? Anybody Marvel fans here? Have you seen the new Spider-Man movie? I heard it's pretty good. I haven't seen it yet. I haven't seen many of them. I saw Avengers Endgame. I saw Black Panther. I saw Iron Man. I saw Wonder Woman. But you ever heard of Super Pastor? Super Pastor? That was me. Not really, but I tried to play the part. It was my first job as a senior pastor in a little church in central Kentucky, and I really went through a good job. My energy was running high. And one Thursday, Thursday afternoon, I will never forget, it was a defining moment in my life and my ministry. Uh, got any communication graphic artists here? You might remember old school clip art. Remember that stuff? I just finished gluing clip art on the church newsletter that I had written so that I could take it to the print shop and have 500 copies ready to be mailed out. And instead of having them delivered, I would stop by and pick them up and so I could hand fold them and I could put all the mailing labels on them. But before I left for the print shop, I was ignorant of any copyright violations. I photocopied the, the worship music and I stuffed the pages uh, that I had stapled into these green choir folders so that when I left rehearsal that evening, they would have everything that they needed. And I told myself after that, I, I would put the finishing touches on the introduction of my sermon, and then I would swing by the hospital on my way back to the print shop to, to visit somebody's aunt who had inner ear problems, and I could get back before dark in, in order to, to mow the church lawn. I really wish I was making this up. I'm not. And I was sitting on the church lawn tractor. I'll never forget it. And God spoke to this hard-charging, energetic, multitasking young pastor and said, you're an idiot. <laughs> it was like, excuse me? I felt like God said, yeah, you heard me, bro. You're, you're killing this church. You're killing yourself. You're neglecting your family. You're, you're stifling the vitality of this church because you really think that you are the one and only super pastor. I said, no, I don't. He said, yes, you do. I told you in Romans chapter 12, you've read it. I said, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. I, I know you know that passage, but I want you to go back to your office and reread it and see the context of that. You'll, you'll notice that when I said that, it says, if you can teach, teach. If you can lead, lead. If you can encourage, encourage. If you can give, give. You get my point? Mike, you don't have all the gifts. So don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. I only gave you a couple of gifts, and I just want you to use those to the fullest. By trying to exercise them all, you're acting like a cork in the neck of the bottle in this church. You got all these little effervescent bubbles in the bottom of the bottle screaming, let us out, let us play, let us use our gifts, let us serve. But you say, no, 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 no. I'll take care of it all because I am super pastor. 
I felt like God was saying, Mike, you're robbing people of the joy of serving. And you're killing the church by doing it all. That was never my design for the church. Don't you think I'm smarter than to give all the gifts to one guy? Well, I stood in front of the congregation that next week. And I vulnerably apologized for the way I was working way too hard and way too much, for the way I was robbing them of the thrill of using their gifts. And I confess the way of being super pastor gave me adrenaline rush. It made me feel kind of important. It stoked my pride and ego. And I apologize, even repented for the way I disrespected the genius of God, for the way he designed the church, giving all kinds of gifts to all kinds of people. And from that moment on, I started to teach about the importance of team. And I called for people to get out of the bleachers and onto the playing field. And let's do this thing together. And I gave up my unhealthy need to do it all and lead it all. And as a result, our ministry absolutely exploded as together now, as a team, we used our gifts to reach the one. See, God's spirit has always flowed through any ordinary person who would be open and humble and available to him. Now, on a day called Pentecost, there was a ragtag bunch of non-perfect, ordinary people who had simply followed Jesus. They were huddled up to pray in an upper room, and the New Testament book of Acts said that the Holy Spirit of God invaded that room and blew through their lives like a mighty rushing wind. And something that looked like tongues of fire, symbolizing the gift of God's Spirit, settled on everybody. Not just a select few but on everybody. And from that moment, the message was clear. This is for everyone who follows Jesus, not just for some, but everyone has direct access to God. Not just some, but everyone has the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit in them. Not just a few, but everyone is extraordinary. Not just the pros who went to seminary, but everyone has been anointed to carry God's love and hope to this world. I want you to see that Romans 12 passage that God took me to back in my old unhealthy super pastor days. It says this, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I'll give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body. And we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So, if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, just do it gladly. Isn't that a great picture of the church? Can you imagine a community where every person with an honest evaluation of, of themselves and a healthy sense of humility saw themselves as super, uh, as empowered, like superheroes? Here I come to save the day. I am baby rocking girl. Quick, hand me my phone. I am texting daily encouragement to lonely people, man. I am praying with hurting people, woman. I am champion for eighth grade boys. I am audio video guy. I make people feel welcome, girl. I am shovel the parking lot, man. God has called each one of us and gifted each one of us to be a superhero in our own route, in our own right, to be ordinary people who have been supernaturally empowered by God's spirit to be a real player on a real team of world changers. I want you to see what an extremely ordinary fisherman named Peter writes about all of us. He says this, but you, yes, you 
are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. And gang, Peter wasn't speaking at a professional pastor's conference when he wrote that. He was writing to everyday, ordinary people like you and me. There is absolutely no distinction between a few elite spiritual superstars and the rest of us. All of us are chosen. All of us are called. All of us are saved. All of us are redeemed, anointed, recycled, equipped, and gifted to make the wonderful light of God known to a dark world. The NFL playoffs are on this weekend. I'm kind of bummed today that my Packers lost on a last-second field goal. They should have never lost. Let me tell you about this game. Uh, no, just, but, but the NFL playoffs are on. People are excited about football these days. Do you hear about the football game uh, between the, uh, this is so stupid, between the uh, uh, large animals and the small animals? Ever heard about this game? Well, as you can imagine, the large animals were killing the small animals. I mean, a gorilla took the opening uh, kickoff deep in the end zone, ran it 100 yards. He's got butterflies trying to take him down, and squirrels hanging on his leg. And it was just, at the, at the end of the first half, it's 40 to nothing large animals. Uh, so the second half begins, and, uh, they, and to make matters worse, they lost the coin toss, so they, they had to kick off to the large animals again, and an elephant received the ball in the end zone. He took off, got to the two-yard line, dropped dead in his tracks. Hand off to a lion around him, boom, dropped dead in his tracks. Third play from scrimmage, the gorilla takes the handoff, goes back into the pocket to throw the ball, gets hit, the ball comes loose, there's a pile up, the referees are pulling animals off the ball, on top of the ball, there's a little bitty centipede. Touchdown, small animals. They grab him and say, man, was that you that hit the elephant on the kickoff? He goes, that's me. Was that you that took the lion down on the end around? Yeah, that was me. Was that you that hit the gorilla and made the ball come out? Yep, that was me. I said, dude, where were you in the first half? So I was getting my ankles taped. See, centipedes have like 100, 100. I'm sorry, that's a, that's a super stupid joke. I'm telling you that to say this. There is no such thing as a small player in God's eyes. We are all supernaturally empowered. And we have been given teammates to work together with our God-gifted and unique to say, when we sit it out, the world, the one, suffers. Again, look what Peter writes. That God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through that unique person called you. When we use our gifts and we allow God's generosity to flow through us, we stand back and say, man, I, I think I was made for this. And the church begins to flourish and the world takes notice of the goodness of God. I can remember the challenge of teaching this uh, principle of every member a minister and everybody a priest in one of my former churches, uh, there was an expectation level placed on the staff uh, to be everything to everybody. And I was brand new and trying to figure out a way to, to incorporate what, what we had learned at that other church about everybody using their gifts. And one of the areas of expectation was that if somebody was in the hospital, a pastor or a professional real minister uh, needed to stop by. And none of us minded doing that. In fact, we all actually enjoyed helping people and brightening their day. But there were some other people in our church, just ordinary non-staff people who had the gift of mercy and encouragement, and they just were really good at this. So we started putting together a team of volunteers who just loved going to the hospital and visiting people. It was a way for them to uniquely live beyond themselves and begin to flourish with the gifts that God had given them. And the team grew to about 60 
men and women who daily cover, covered all the local hospitals in our area, just bringing joy and prayer and comfort to these families that were anxious. Well, Heather was one of the most extraordinary volunteers. She was a superhero, single, highly capable college-age girl who was really good at this, and she would tackle some of the tougher assignments. One time, she went every day for two weeks to be with a family who had a loved one in the critical care unit. Uh, their loved one eventually passed away, and when they called the church... They asked for Heather. They didn't ask for a pastor. Heather was their pastor. And how do you think that made Heather feel? And how do you think it would have made Heather feel if we said, oh, no, no, let us handle this one. We're the pros. In fact, this is a job for super pastor. Again, 1 Peter 4.10, God has given gifts to each of you from his great varieties of spiritual gifts. Manage them well so that God's generosity can flow through you. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 through 7. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. But God himself is behind it all. I love this. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful. I love that. It sounds like Oprah. You get a gift and you get a gift and you get a gift. Every Christ follower gets a gift from the Holy Spirit that has been given for the common good of the church. Everybody gets in on it and everybody benefits. You benefit because you start to be fulfilled in using your gifts in your unique way, and the church benefits because, man, we start playing as a team, and the world benefits because the church is now functioning as this agent of God's truth and grace and compassion and generosity the way it was always meant to be. Now, what exactly is a spiritual gift? Here, here's a shot at a definition. A spiritual gift is a special supernatural ability that God gives to each of his children so that together they can advance his purposes in this world. And this gift from the Holy Spirit is given to every person who invites Jesus Christ into their life to forgive their sin debt and to lead their life. The Bible says that once a person is in Christ, he or she is empowered to use this gift alongside of everybody else to advance the kingdom of God together. Now, you and I are responsible for identifying, developing, and using this gift. For instance, uh, God just personally has given me the gift of teaching. Now, I know the degree of, of effectiveness is usually debatable, uh, but I am still responsible to develop the gift that God has given me. You know, some preachers through the years have told me, said, bro, uh, I, don't, I don't know why you spend so much time like working on messages. Now, man, when it comes to preaching, I just get up on Sunday and I let the Spirit move me. And I respond, well, so do I on Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. I mean, I'm studying, I'm writing, I'm crafting words, I'm reading, I'm pouring over scriptures, I'm listening to God's voice, I'm brainstorming creative ways to connect with our culture. God's going to hold me accountable to working hard and developing and using my gift. But make no mistake about it, it's not something I manufactured on my own. It's just a gift that God chose to give me. 
Look, look again what it says in, in 1 Corinthians 12. It is the one and only Holy Spirit who distributes these gifts. He alone, in his wisdom, decides which gift each person should have. You see, God is the one who determines which gifts you and I receive. God doesn't give us a catalog and say, rank your preferences in, in, from 1 to 10, and, and I'll try to do my best to fulfill which one you want. If I have some left over, maybe I'll put those in your Christmas stocking. You and I had no more to do with determining which spiritual gifts we receive than we did in determining who our parents would be, what the color of our skin was, the shape of our nose. God distributes the gift of the Spirit just as He in His wisdom determines. And He knows what He's doing because He sees the big picture and He knows you and me better than we even know ourselves. And that is why the gift that God gives us is usually, it usually meshes with the complete unique passage package of who God created us to be. Let me ask you, what, so what do you like? How, how are you wired up? How many of you are extroverts? You're just flaming extroverts. You're a party waiting to assemble. That's you. How many are introverts? You're going, yeah, yeah that's me. Uh, how many of you are like, uh, tend to lead with your heart? How many of you tend to be more thinkers, more analytical with things? Uh, are you a hugger? Or do you turn into a sheet of plywood when you see a hugger approaching you? <laughs> Are you the last one to leave the party? Or are you the first one to say goodnight? Do you love the crowds and rides of an amusement park or you prefer a secluded cabin on a quiet lake? It's just good to honestly acknowledge what kind of personality God has given you. Not the kind you wish you had, but how God uniquely wired you up. When you settle that and you embrace that reality, you can now see how the spiritual gift that God has decided to give you just might mesh with how he uniquely created you. Again, how this works with my gift of teaching. It would drive me absolutely crazy to lock myself in a room all day, every day with large books and research tools so I could produce other large books and research tools. That's just not me. I have to be with people. People energize me. And uh, I'm more effective uh, teaching through verbal communication than I am in written communication. That's just me. But I am so grateful that there are men and women who have the same gift but they're a bit more introverted and they love to spend hours alone writing so that many of us, including me, can learn and grow and go deeper. They're just being faithful to the same gift within the context of who God uniquely made them to be. And you also know that God gives us different innate abilities. I mean, some people can really sing. They just have an aptitude for music and you can tell early on. You can just tell. Some people don't. And you can just tell. <laughs> I don't like the poor guy who got up in church and sang a solo. It was, it was horrendous. Everybody was embarrassed for him. It was super awkward. Nobody knew what to say. And one man finally walked up to him after the service and said, Son, uh, you tried really hard. And uh, I appreciate your courage to get up there and sing. But whoever asked you to sing ought to be shot. <laughs> At least I think that's what he said to me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, some kids, some kids at, at a young age have the ability to like look at the picture on the box and put everything in the right place without ever looking at the like, at direction. Now most dads think they have that ability, but as those kids grow, it's often it's, it's cool to see how they often become really really good at problem solving. So maybe you take that innate ability, that talent that you have, and you go to school, or you learn, or you hone that skill on the job, and you get really really proficient at it. When you add that to the spiritual gift that God has given you. 
Can you see what a powerful combination that can be? And add to that all the experiences, all the things you've been through on your unique journey of life, all those accomplishments, all those failures, all the successes, all the tragedies, all the life learnings that you've had, and you put that together with that? Oh my goodness. Let me ask you, who better to sit down with someone that's going through a divorce than someone who's been there? Who better to help another parent who's struggling with a prodigal kid than somebody that has been there? Who better to walk with someone who's trying to recover from an addiction than somebody who's been there? God uses those experiences. Rick Warren refers to this as our shape, the way God has shaped us. The, the S stands for spiritual gift. H is heartbeat. A is, a is ability. P is personality. E is experience. So here's what you do. You figure out what spiritual gift God has given you, and you put that with what makes your heart beat fast. You mesh, you mesh your abilities, you mesh your abilities, your skills, your talents, the ones you've worked at and sharpened through the years. You put that together with your God-given unique personality, and you add that to your life experiences, and can you see how you just might be shaped for service? Gang, that's the genius of the one who designed snowflakes and photosynthesis and DNA. In fact, the way our incredible bodies function serve as a great illustration for the brilliance of God's design for his church. Again, Paul writes this, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. But God made our bodies with many parts, and he has put each part just where he wants it. What a strange thing the body would be if there was only like one part and then he goes through this hypothetical dialogue between parts of the body. He said, like if the foot says, I'm not a hand, therefore I'm not a part of the body. Or if the ear says, well, I'm not an eye, therefore I'm not a part of the body. I'm not really important. He goes on to say this, verse 24. The way God designed our bodies is a model for understanding our togetherness as a church. Every part dependent on every other part. The parts we mention and the parts we don't. The parts we see and the parts we don't. If one part hurts, every part is involved in the hurt. And in the healing, if one part flourishes, every part enters into the exuberance. You are Christ's body. That's who you are. I got a good friend who has the gift of helps. He's just a tireless servant, man. He just lives beyond himself every day of his life. And he loves being a part of the church where he's just behind the scenes. You would never know. He's never on stage uh, no one kind of knows who he is, just kind of a behind-the-scenes servant kind of dude. And uh, he is so fond of saying, I'm just happy to be a toenail on the body of Christ. <laughs> In fact, every text that I get from him over the past 20 years, he'll just sign at the bottom, toenail. That's what he calls himself, toenail. And he is genuinely happy. He's ecstatic to be a part of the body of Christ, just serving other people. I want to throw out a statement. This might rock you a little bit because this idea seems so uh, counterintuitive in our culture especially, but it's so true. Here it is. As long as you are all about you, you will never be happy. As long as you are all about you, you will never be happy. See, we tend to believe those suburban legends that if I could just have that, if I could just drive that, live there, wear that, look like that, get into that school, get that job, have that kind of salary, have that family, then, then, then I'd be happy. Our tendency is to fall into the comparison trap and we start looking around at other people, people who might not be any happier than we are, and we say, man, if I just had their life, 
And we start scrolling through our social media, and we see how they lost 20 pounds over Christmas. Uh, they, you see their fabulous vacation pictures, some tropical paradise, their recipes for amazing gourmet meals that they prepared in their newly renovated kitchen. And they're all laughing around the farmhouse tables that they all built by themselves by some, finding some pallets behind a local Home Depot. And we're looking at their highlight reel, thinking, man, if I could just have their life, then I'd be happy. Here's the deal. You can get you exactly the way you want you, and you still won't be happy. You see, the reality is we cannot compare our way, envy our way, lust our way, acquire our way, consume our way, purchase our way, renovate or even exercise our way to happiness. As long as you are all about you, you will never be happy. There will always be this huge piece missing from your life, a huge piece that your creator, the God who made you, put in you. You see, we might not be able to consume, acquire, or purchase our way to happiness, but I'm telling you, we can serve our way there. We can serve our way there. there there's a ton of research out there that reveals this big-time connection between happiness and serving. In one study, it was done at the University of Chicago, people were asked, what are the most fulfilling jobs or careers out there? Guess what kind of jobs were at the top of the list of being the most fulfilling? Vocations where you teach others, help others, care for others, serve others, or protect others. And the other thing they found was that there was no income level associated with the job satisfaction. Once a person reached a point where they, they could basically pay their bills and eat and live indoor with a flush toilet, they were happy with their job. And as more and more income got added, there was not a significant bump in happiness because the happiness, the, the deep level of satisfaction, it just came from serving other people. There, there was a study done over in the UK. They did 40 different studies over a 25-year period that asked, ask, is there a connection between happiness, health, and selflessness? serving other people? The answer came back a resounding absolutely. And these weren't people who looked like volunteered once a year for something. These were people who carved out time in their lifestyle, in, in, on their, in their daily experience where they served, somewhere in their church, somewhere in their community. Uh, they just consistently showed up to volunteer and serve other people. Studies show that those who live beyond themselves have less depression less heart disease, less stress. They enjoy higher levels of satisfaction, contentment, and happiness. And this was really amazing for teenagers. They found that students who regularly serve other people, who volunteer somewhere to help other people, experienced far less drug abuse, far less unplanned pregnancies. They had higher self-esteem. They were happier mentally, emotionally, and physically. In fact, the study concluded this. Even as a parent, you have to force your teenager to volunteer, do it. Because volunteering, even with a bad attitude, still has positive results. They found that teenagers who volunteer generally carry that and the benefits of it into adulthood because it's just become a part of who they are. They just know, I was, I was born to serve other people. I mean, research all around the world comes to the same counterintuitive conclusion as Jesus that selflessness leads to happiness selflessness leads to happiness. And you, you might see that and go, I don't get that, man. How can living selflessly make myself happier? How can like emptying myself fill me up? And it is counterintuitive. 
On the surface, this doesn't make much sense, and that's why most people don't do it. But many of you know this because you surf tirelessly around this place. You know that the absolute best way to fill yourself up is to pour yourself out. You see, we've been made in God's image. So we have been divinely pre-engineered for this to give ourselves away because that's what he does. And so when we do it, we feel like, man, we are hitting on all cylinders. I mean, think about it. Jesus, the ultimate servant, he talked about this a lot. He said things like, you know what? It's better to give than it is to receive. And he wasn't unpacking a sermon on tithing when he said that. He was just acknowledging a fundamental reality of life, one that all this research backs up. It's just much more fun. It's much more fulfilling and deeply satisfied to give of yourself rather than just get for yourself all the time. You know where you want to find the happiest people in the world right now? I'll tell you where you find them. You'll find them working in makeshift shelters in western Kentucky, serving scared, devastated, lonely, displaced people who were ravaged by a tornado. You'll find them feeding and clothing the homeless. You'll find them giving their resources and volunteering their time to provide for the under-resourced families of this community. You'll find them mentoring a group of sophomore girls. You'll find them on a mission trip in some underdeveloped country, building houses for people who currently live in a a cardboard box, and they just dream of someday having fresh water and, and, and electricity. You'll find those people giving their day off to do a car repair for a single mom or fixing a leaky faucet for an elderly neighbor. You'll find those people taking a, a boy with an absent father out to a ball game. You will find them channeling significant portions of their resources to help reach and teach the one about Jesus Christ. You'll just find these people overflowing with joy. Friends, one matters. One matters. And because of that, we serve. That's what we do. We serve. You know, New Hope is an amazing place, one of my favorite places on the planet. But I don't think we have any idea how amazing this place could actually be. I mean, just imagine everybody passionate about the one, everybody serving in their shape. That's my dream for all churches, to see people full of passion and purpose, saying, man, I just want to live beyond myself. I want to be the person that God created me to be. I mean, I I just think all of heaven would explode in celebration saying, wow, now there's a church right there that's getting it right. Way to go, you bunch of superheroes. Let me pray. Father, thank you for your genius design of the body of Christ. And I thank you that there's not just a select few that get to get in on the fun of this life, but all of us. All of us have been called. We've all been gifted. We've all been anointed. We've all been chosen. And God, sometimes that just blows me away that you would choose and call an ordinary, broken, screwed up guy like me to be entrusted with a gift Sometimes, God, I just get overwhelmed by it. And I pray we'd all just get overwhelmed by what you've given us. That in humility and selflessness, we would just serve other people with that gift. That we would be grateful for the journey we've been on as people. And we would let you recycle that journey no matter how painful it's been. 
to be sitting across the table with somebody else is maybe where we used to be. God, you've called us to serve because someone out there matters. There is a one that really matters to you. So Father, I, I pray that this would be a church full of people that just have a servant's heart, that we would see ourselves as a team, as a bunch of world changers who are trying to make you known, are trying to bring light to a dark world through our lives. God, we're just grateful, grateful for each other, grateful for Jesus who's the head of this body grateful that there's nobody more important than anybody else in this body. We're all just together doing our thing. And I thank you for that, God. And I pray that all over North Carolina and around the world that your goodness would be on display through our lives. And I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you thank Pastor Mike Bro for us? couple of quick remarks and then we'll be on our way. Would you do me a favour and pull out this card that you received on your way in and you'll see that there are pens in the seat pocket in front of you if you want to start filling that out. You know, church commentators are uh, labelling this season of the pandemic as one where uh, church attendance has become a freestyling season. Freestyling season is, is where you experience something different every single week. Maybe you're online with this church one week and online with another church another week. And you in-person attend uh, to one church and so forth. And what is so terribly dangerous is purpose is missed when you freestyle your church experience. When you avoid the commitment to one local faith community where you can be needed and known. Jesus calls the church His bride and we are all called to make that bride beautiful. And the way we make her beautiful is we all roll up our sleeves and put a serving towel over our arms and we all get involved. And we all get involved because one matters. And so I wanna encourage you to look over uh, the card that you just received. If you're online, uh, you'll see a QR code there. You can click on that and go to the serve tile. And we have online ways where you can serve as well. But on one side of this card, you'll see uh, that it's titled Behind the Scenes. And as Mike talked about, being attentive to how God wired you then the area that you serve, uh, we're looking for that to be a mesh. And so what we've done this week in the life of the staff at the church is go through every serving opportunity with a fine tooth comb to come up with our specific needs right now in this season. So if you would identify as more of like kind of an introvert, behind the scenes kind of person, then all of these roles are available and opportunities for you to mesh how God has shaped you in order to serve in the life of the church. Then on the other side of the card is from the front lines. If you'd identify as more of a extrovert and high people person and front of the church, smiling, hope, opening the door, being a life group leader, this kind of thing. Uh, all of these roles are current needs where we wanna encourage you to get involved.
please don't fall into the risk that you lose some of your purpose in this particular season. Now is a season to deny the lies of the enemy that he would speak the language of excuse and reasons why you should not commit. Now is the season to get involved. If you would uh, fill out that card, check a couple of areas that you maybe have interest in and you can drop them. Uh, The ushers have baskets at the door, you can drop them there. And then we'll reach out to you this week. One of the things that we do is something we call shadowing, which is instead of diving in the deep end of the pool, you can just come on a Sunday and shadow someone doing this role and be encouraged that way. Now, let me lastly encourage you with a promise from Scripture that Jesus is with you. I think we tremendously underestimate Jesus' determination to make His present known to us when we're stepping out to serve the body of Christ. So you may be a little nervous, uneasy. Maybe there's an area that you desire to, but you've just never done it before. Then know that Jesus will be with you as you step out and step up to make the bride beautiful. Amen? Amen? Would you stand to your feet? I'm going to pray and then we'll be on our way. So God, you tell us in Scripture to make our requests known to you. So as a church now, as a local expression of the body of Christ. Uh, We make this request, God, we've got a lot of serving needs. And Holy Spirit, would you tap some people on the shoulder and say, now is your time to get in the game, to get off the bench, out of the bleachers and into the game. And then Father, would you meet them in it as they experience the meshing together of how you've wired them in an opportunity to live out the power of one matters. Would we know the blessing, the power and presence of Jesus with us this week as we go and take your love and hope and light to the world. We pray this in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. And everyone said, Amen. Have a blessed week, everyone. Grace and peace.